it's your boy, Malini, and you're listening to the Tired Activist Podcast. Uh, and my preferred pronouns are she and her. Um, hi, I'm Kayla, and my preferred pronouns are she and her. Hello, my name is Alyssa, and my preferred pronouns are she and her. Hi, my name is Vivian, and I use she, they pronouns. So just for anyone, any of our consistent viewers, <laughs> I don't think there are many, we're not doing weekly episodes anymore because school's going to start for all of us. Um, and so we'll be doing an episode once a month. We, we're going to still have some good, fun, quality times, but but not every week. We're going to be talking about um, sexual assault, sexual violence, rape culture, and such shaming. Yeah. <laughs> so stuff. content warning, of course, for people course. who maybe are sensitive towards certain topics relating to sexual violence. We'll be discussing that in, I think, more detail this episode than in probably any past episode we've done. So tread carefully. Take care of yourself. Rape culture is an environment in which rape is normalized and excused in the media and popular culture, as well as the stigmatization of survivors of sexual violence. It can um, be enforced through the use of misogynistic language, objectification of women's bodies, or glorifying sexual violence. It creates a society that disregards consent and women's safety. So I think one thing that's very important when we talk about rape culture is to recognize that rape is an institutionalized thing because the way that that certain people talk and you know when i when i talk to people about rape one thing that i I say is like i think we need to stop pathologizing rape and rapists and people can take that like a very like a very wrong way and think oh do you want to excuse rape do you think that rapists are like not bad actually and that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying that when we think about rape we think like because because we live in like america which is a society that was founded by you know a bunch of like Christian, in quotation marks, white men, um, oftentimes there are like, you know, like holdovers of like Puritan morality or like, you know, Protestant morality that affect the way that like mainstream American culture sees things. I think with rape, we see it as like, you know, this um, sin on like a whole other level. Like you can only rape someone if you're like a sick, deranged person. Like, I feel like that's the way that a lot of like white women, especially like talk about um, rape. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, rape should be excused. Like, you know, I also think Jeffrey Epstein is terrible and deserves to rot. But I think in regards to rape, if we pathologize it and turn it into, like, this individual thing that, like, only individual, like, psychopaths can do, then we ignore, like, the possibility of, you know, of what happens to many women, which is that they're raped by people that they know. A lot of women are experience like sexual violence from people close to them um so i think it's not like this like individualistic thing you know like a stranger who's like stuck in the head like attacking you in the dark rape is institutionalized um it's not necessarily about like satisfying a sexual urge it's about like exerting power um and i think when you live in america you really have to examine american rape culture through the lens of of slavery right um, Angela Davis, who she stand, of course, we stand. Um, in Women, Race, and Class, there's a chapter on rape, racism, and the myth of the Black rapist. Um, and al- also earlier in the book, she talks about how rape was a tool used by white slave owners who assert their superiority over um, Black women and Black people in general. You know, um, I think this is also in line with certain like socialist feminists who argue, you know, uh, under capitalism, women's bodies serve as, you know, like the reproductive like machinery to create like unceasing supply of new workers. And so in that way for black women who were enslaved, their bodies were seen as, as like tools for white people. Rape was a way for like white men to say to black women and black people in general, you do not have agency of your body. You do not have autonomy. Um, your body belongs to me, and I'm going to do what I want with it. One thing that, like, Angela Davis says in Women, Race, and Class, in the chapter on rape, racism, and the myth of the Black rapist, is, you know, once white men began to see Black women that way, there is no way that their, like, relationships with white women could remain the same. Like, this, this like, toxic mentality of, like, I own your body, also carried over to, you know, like their wives and other women in their lives that that were not Black. And I think this really just highlights that, you know, under capitalism, we live in this system 
where like our, our bodies are, are commodified. Uh, and I think like Sylvia Federici talks a lot about how like women's bodies are like commodified under capitalism. Uh, and, you know, as I said before, like viewed as like machines to like reproduce the workforce. And in that way, because like rape is rape is something that occurs because men feel that they have this right to women's bodies. It's not about, you know, like I'm horny or whatever. So I'm going to go like force someone to like do things that they don't want to do. It, it's it's a it, like you said it's a power dynamic thing where one person can hold and feel like they control another person in such an intimate and invasive and gross way but like when it comes to wanting power or ownership i think a lot of that comes down to like you said the commodification of women's bodies as well as just like the dehumanization of people in general and stuff like that because like when you when you cease to see another person as something equal to you or like something that deserves the same kind of respect as you do you begin to see it as something to be well in a lot of cases conquered or something to be owned almost like it's an object yeah. Even when you look at, like, what's going on in Alabama with the abortions, there's, like, this idea where, like, men should be in control of our bodies, which kind of leads to that. And, like Alyssa said, rape is never about, let's be real, it's never about, like, sex. It's about power. It's about control. It's about being able to control another person. I mean, looking at, like, people like Weinstein and stuff like that who had such incredible power Mm -hmm. and money, Uh he could have his his choice was to go and assert power and like violate people because that was something it's like these people oftentimes don't have a lack of where they could get consensual and uh be like be in consensual um relationships and stuff like that but instead they choose to go after the power they choose to go after something they feel entitled to or an object in their own eyes not saying people are objects but like that's what that's they view them what, as. yeah that's what they that, view them as is it true that in arkansas like in order before you get an abortion you have to like if someone got if, like if a woman got raped and they want to have an abortion they have to like alert their rapist first rapist like, yeah and actually in so women are actually arrested for having miscarriages around the country what? saying like yeah. yeah 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 women are arrested for having miscarriages because they're like no you aborted but like most doctors with like at least one brain cell would not report their patient for like having a miscarriage because first of all that's a very traumatic experience it it, it like could you imagine reporting your patient for having a miscarriage and being like that's an abortion like could you imagine the trauma that would that could come out of it like, I, I can't mm-hmm. believe there are people who would do that. Like, I can't believe it. They really do feel entitled to women's bodies. It's disgusting. Yeah. But, like, I, I feel like um, what people were saying earlier about, like, Weinstein um, and men like him, like Jeffrey Epstein. Um, speaking of, of, you know, wealthy white men who feel entitled to women's bodies, I feel like there is, as I have said before, there is, there is like, a, a perception of, like, who raped his sock. Um, and because we live under uh, a racist capitalist system, oftentimes that perception is it's someone in the shadow, probably someone black, um, someone very aggressive that you don't know. That's like the standard story that like people tell, like especially like middle class, like white girls, like growing up. You know, be careful of like you know going with strange men that you don't know. Um, Mm-hmm. when in reality I, I think this this is really what like tells me rape is something institutionalized something about about power it's not about you know sex at all um it's not like the people the people who feel most entitled to your body are generally people that you know and people who like have more power than you on a societal level if you look at like rape it's it's a very underreported crime. like the vast majority of cases go unreported. Many cases that are reported, they take a rape kit, it gets put in a shed somewhere, never sees the light of day. One in three, so yeah, one in three cases of rape in the U.S. never reported. Mm-hmm. Um, many that are, they take a rape kit, the rape kit never leaves the shed. When we, when we like think about like who a rapist is, right, like 
I, I feel like even the one in three is probably like another <laughs> because there are just so many cases that we don't know about. Part of the reason that a lot of women don't report their rapes or their sexual assaults is, first of all, if it's someone that they know, it's unfortunate, but we're always like, when, when you, like, especially in that scenario, you're always like trying to justify that person, which is really terrible, but that's kind of the way society like does it, where it's like, oh, it's your fault because of what you wore and like mm-hmm. you entice them. That's why you got raped, that, which doesn't make any sense, first of yeah. all. But like also, like if it's someone you're related to, if it's someone you know, like it's sad, but you're gonna still have, even if they did that horrible, horrible thing to you, you're still gonna have empathy for them. And it's awful. So a lot of, and also a lot of women just don't feel comfortable with like reporting it, right? Like, because it usually doesn't get justified. Usually like nothing happens. And like, who knows if you report it to the police, the situation could get much worse. Like, mm-hmm. what if your rapist starts resorting to violence? What are you going to do? Oftentimes, people stuck in themselves are, um, you know, very violent with their partners. But if your rapist is the police, like, oh boy! But listen yeah. to the why feminists should support, um, like defunding the police episode for that. For more yes, content about, about that. that. And I feel like you know, a lot of women get like harassed at work. Um, a lot of women are like harassed or assaulted by you know their employers. Um, I think Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. is like a good example. You know, someone like using his like connections in the entertainment industry to like prey on women, um, you know, trying to work their way up in that industry. If your rapist is someone who is in power, then, you know, often you feel like you can't do anything, as like Melanie said, Mm -hmm. because they're, you know, they've probably got like a whole team of lawyers ready to like smear you, um, Mm -hmm. ready to like put you on the stand and like ask you questions until you like start to doubt yourself. And I think Mm -hmm. it is very easy. It's a lot of gaslighting. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy yeah. to gaslight women when you have, like, this pervasive culture where, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's normalized for men to, yeah. like, feel entitled to women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and, it, like, when it comes to, like, women and stuff like that, they're often seen as, I, I, there's always a fake statistics thrown around about false rape accusations and stuff like that that is extremely harmful and stuff. And mm-hmm. then when it comes to, like, men or people of other genders are oftentimes told that they should have enjoyed it or that know, they or that it never happened because nobody would do that to you and stuff like that and so it becomes such an issue of why is the first thing that we think of is that we cannot trust somebody who's so who's at so many odds to come out and say something who knows there's so much risk and so much uh, harm and stuff like that why is the immediate reaction to doubt them why is it immediately to say you you probably didn't you probably were asking for it or it didn't happen or you should have enjoyed it and stuff like that it's you know and that comes down to the way we objectify and view uh, like those values as a culture and stuff like that except my dad i've heard every single straight man in my life talk about fake rape accusations and a lot of men use that as a defense to like discredit women like vivian said um and by the way i'd like to say the proportion of men who are raped is higher than the amount that are that are fa- like falsely accused of rape mm-hmm. also yeah. oftentimes people will put themselves in a position where they say they'll they they want to stand up for male victims but in that same step will degrade female victims and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like they use it as a way to be like oh so you don't care about men and you don't care about this problem that men go through and it's not that it's that we want this to end for everybody it happens that women are uh, victims of sexual violence and rape at a much much higher rate than men but that does not uh, that does not get rid of and that doesn't make Uh, male and uh, other uh, gender identities any less important. This is a fight not just for one group of people, it's a fight for everybody. Also, why do you just talk about male rape when we're talking about female rape? Exactly. (laughs) And it's so sad because they'll be the same people oftentimes to degrade a man who has gone through that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just enjoy it, Lamau. Like, no. Or say or or start spewing homophobic things and stuff like that instead mm-hmm. of actually supporting. That's not saying like everybody. <laughs> I have to always say it's not saying everybody when I make these statements, but like a good majority of those people do. When you point out how um, rape and rape culture and sexual assault is largely a male issue, um, 
uh, men tend to get defensive about that. And it's not insinuating that you as a person is the problem. It's, it's saying that society and this, and a lot of men, <laughs> the majority men are, is a problem that's like uh, perpetuated by them. But I feel like yeah. if you feel like so inclined to defend yourself when someone says that men tend like uh, tend like to rape women, if you feel that inclined to like oh to defend gosh, yourself, yeah. you're kind of goofy, my dude. You should probably <laughs> yeah. reconsider some things because, like, I don't know, but like, like if with most men who don't have like who who wouldn't do that. They'd be like, yeah, that's true. You're right. With the men who support women and, you know, like, listen to female voices, they'd be like, yeah, that is true. They won't be like, but not all men. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. If you're doing that, you're kind of sketch, my dude. You know, there are a lot of, and, like, Angela Davis talks about this, too. A lot of, like, white um, anti-rape activists. And I'm not not coming for anyone in particular. You know, the work that you're doing, it's, it's great or whatever, like, you know, continue standing up for women who have been like sexually assaulted. But she does point out that there are a lot of white anti-rape activists who drive black women away from the movement, either because one, they're very racist and perpetuate notions, um, like false notions of like the black male rapist, or, you know, they like ignore the experiences of like black women and their, you know, like unique relationship with um, their like subjugation under capitalism and this like history of like white slave owners like raping black women and like feeling entitled to their bodies. And so I think it's very important for you know anyone who you know cares about you know stopping sexual violence to you know one not fall prey to you know these like racist myths of you know it's like a black guy you know just like waiting to like get a hold of like white women because there are there are like radical like feminist writers like uh Shula Smith Firestone I think and Brown Miller especially um are two people that like Angela Davis references as like examples of this but they you know have perpetuated these like harmful notions of well black men have been disenfranchised under um capitalism and so the way that they like you know make up for that or you know yeah just like make up for those losses is to like go after like great white women which is not true it's um one one thing that like uh, Frederick Douglass points out um, is that like during the whole like civil war and like the period up to it there were like almost zero like basically zero like cases of like black slaves like raping white women like zero reported cases you know um, all of a sudden after the civil war ends and white people are feeling threatened by you know all these like newly freed black people who you know are like trying to get jobs um, and like start their own like communities all of a sudden it's Black men are, like, naturally prone to raping white women. Like, they have, like, this, like, weird, you know, like, lust for white women or whatever. So I think it's very important that we don't fall prey to, like, this kind of, like, racial essentialism. I I think one of my teachers, like, said this, and I actually never thought about it this way, but, like, the fact that there's, like, such a, there's this idea around, like, black men raping white women or taking white women away kind of shows that, like, a lot of white men think they're entitled to white women. Mm-hmm. Like that that's yes. also partially like yeah. white men mm-hmm. think they're entitled to women. That is part part of the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do not care about the white women because, you know, like the clan rapes white and black women. You know, yeah. these white men, they perpetuate sexual violence on their wives, on, you know, other women in their lives. Um, all of a sudden when black men are accused of doing it, they're all outraged. Um, but they really do not they do not care about about the actual like safety of these women they care about you know preserving the social relations that they're so like invested in so very important don't don't you know consume these like racist myths uncritically because they're literally not true additionally i think a lot of like black women have not you know been listened to by a lot of like white like feminist advocates you know for example like in the in the women's march after trump got elected um, a lot of Black women reported that, you know, their concerns um, with, you know, the unique experiences of Black women, like, not being addressed were brushed aside. And I think that's that's also, like, just, like, such a shame because, you know, I think you advocate for, like, an end to, like, sexual violence. You have to have, like, this, like, very, like, nuanced um, conception of, like, what causes it. Um, 
and we know it's it's the institutions that we live under it's not you know some inherent thing about men so i think like it's very important to take into account like as we've said before like really ending sexual violence requires you know abolition of police and prisons and capitalism like these institutions that commodify women's bodies um and you know like empower certain men to you know take advantage of women. And I think because black women and indigenous women especially have suffered so much under these in institutions, you know, we talked about like busy murdered indigenous women on another episode of our podcast. You know, I think they they like their perspectives are like very important to this issue. It's like a serious mistake for us to um brush them aside or overlook them. As a final point, I I feel like there are probably some people who um may or may not listen to our podcast, but are probably like interested in like feminist issues, you know, and are interested in ending sexual violence, but they've probably like never, you know, really engaged with like radical politics. Um, you know, whether that's like Marxism or I, I feel like there's a there's a good portion of like uh, listeners who probably like haven't engaged in, you know, like radical anti-capitalist politics, um, but are very interested in like, you know, advocating for women and like ending sexual violence. So, you know, I would say to those people, you know, really, you know, check out Angela Davis. She's cool. Mm -hmm. um if you know you're interested in like the history of capitalism or whatever Sylvia Federici is pretty good on that um and she does you know go into how like sexual violence um you know factors into like uh you know the enclosures and the beginnings of like private property uh in capitalism in Europe really like consider like how you're like talking about uh like rape in your everyday lives because it is very easy to uh, fall prey to like this very ind individualistic, um, like pathologized um, image of like rape. Uh, and I think it's very important for us to remember that people people say like not all men are like rapists, right? I think that's true, but I think I think what's like like that's like obje objectively true that like not all men have like raped women. Um, you know, like I know many men who have who have never raped women. Like you know, we stand. Um, but uh. I think I think what is true is that men are like incentivized over and over, um, you know, told that they're entitled to women's bodies, that like the way that they assert their masculinity is um, to, you know, take advantage of women. I think when we consider like these sort of things from like an institutional perspective, you see that like there are many, many men who, if they were put in positions of power, would abuse those positions of power to, you know, rape women. Uh, and until those positions of power don't exist anymore, it doesn't matter whether the men in them are good or bad, just as it doesn't matter if police are good or bad, right? Because it's the, it's the position itself that's causing these problems. And rape is like partially encouraged by everyday culture. And Kale is going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, so first, we're just going to be um, talking about some similar examples of some statements of rape culture and then debunking some of them with, with some nice facts. Um, so some examples of rape culture are saying that, like saying that, oh, the victim was asking for it, that they were the ones who provoked their rapist by wearing something provocative and it's assuming that only promiscuous women get raped which is not true at all and like a lot of school just codes also enforce this statement as well for like because a lot of dress codes will say that women are I mean, like girls can't wear tank tops or like short skirts because they're too distracting for other male students even though i've never actually her shoulders her shoulders kayla Oh, I'm sorry. If really I have loud. to look at another shoulder, I think my attention span will actually drop into the negative numbers. Shoulder. Oh, Kayla! Put that away! <laughs> How <laughs> dare, dare you? Not on this good social podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, I only look at shoulders consensually. I don't know about you all. But yeah. <laughs> Hell yes. I look at shoulders with respect. <laughs> I'm looking respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, of course, more of that, like, debunking why she was at first wrong is because also um, a lot of people tend for, to forget that one in nine girls and one in 53 boys under the age of 18 are raped or sexually assaulted. And, of course, um, children are legally not able to consent. And poor adults, even, yes, um, so maybe they did, like, want to have sex, but if, but if they do start feeling uncomfortable, then they have every right to, like, 
not want to partake in sexual activity anymore. And it was their rapist who was the one who continued, even though they like started feeling uncomfortable. Enthusiastic consent is a must in yes. all, all facets. And by that, and just because someone is wearing something, that's not assume anything. Because like without logic, just because I'm not wearing a helmet right now, and someone like decides to chuck me in the head with a rock, was I asking to be chucked in the head with a rock? No. Also, like, but your head was just sitting there. It was just sitting there. Unchucked with the rock. <laughs> uh, with all due respect, Kayla, but uh, you not wearing a helmet at all hours of the day, I feel, gives me free real estate to just take a rock and go have at it. So the next one we have is the idea that boys will be boys for when it comes to like justifying like um, men when it comes to like sexually assaulting women, and it's it's enabling rape by saying that rape is in- inevitable just because boys will be boys and it will all happen someday to men which is enabling toxic masculinity because it's the idea that all men are emotionless and sex obsessed it's also implying that like boys are always hyperactive and rowdy and offensive and while that's okay women i mean yeah women aren't allowed to be rude or offensive i feel like it also kind of like um looks down on like male male victims in a way it's also the idea that like once someone like comes out about like sexual assault like their immediate response is that like it didn't happen or that they're lying about it and yes there are times when it when rapes are falsely reported but only two but only two to eight percent of all um rape cases are falsely reported and not to mention like we said before one in three cases do not get reported and of course and even when women do talk about their experience they they immediately get slut shamed and deemed desperate for attention and of course men are also even when men come out they also were also told to just enjoy the experience and these are things that like no one wants to hear when talking about like a horrible experience they just went through so of course again like they're usually very uncomfortable when it comes to speaking out about it and why they tend not to um speak out until like maybe much later when they're more comfortable yeah and women who like are often targeted or like targets of like sexual violence, like men will specifically go after women who they know like will not be believed or will not be valued, you know, under capitalism. So for example, like indigenous women, sex workers, you know, women of color, black women, especially, um, especially, you know, working class women of color, you know, these are people who don't have a lot of power in society. Um, In the case of, you know, especially like sex workers and women of color, they're, you know, like needlessly like sexualized you know, in situations where they would not want to be. And so there is like this perception, like if you're not like, you know, in like a nuclear family, if you aren't, if you don't have like a very like traditional, um, like sort of, you know, like white sexual experience, then, you know, it's okay if, you know, men like have sex with you, have sex with you, like without your consent or if men rape you. But like all of a sudden it's justified because, you know, you put yourself in that situation by like being a sex worker or whatever. So the next um, part of uh, example of rape culture is the idea that, oh, they couldn't control themselves to, again, once again, normalize rape and justifying their perpetrator's actions. And like we just talked about that sexual assault is never modified, uh, motivated by sex. It's about having power and control over someone. And there's also the idea that when I really hit the most, it was like, well, they technically didn't say no, which is, first of all, absence of a no is not a yes. And it's also, and also many survivors actually experience tonic mobility or a freeze response during an assault when they physically cannot move or speak. And then lastly, there's also the idea that like men can't be victims of sexual assault, even though um, one out of every 10 victims are male. Yeah. And I feel like regarding consent, you know, it's also important to consider like um, the fact that a lot of people, if, if the woman is like under, you know, the influence of like drugs or alcohol, then somehow automatically like she doesn't need to consent, you know, um, which is like obviously not true. Um, I think, you know, on this podcast, we recommend getting enthusiastic, sober if possible. Well, actually, I, I, I would take out the if possible. So enthusiastic, sober, consent. Um, you know, if you're, if you're unsure, better to be safe than sorry. That's all I'm going to say. And like, I, I, I talked to, I talked to like a, a, a good number of men. Oh, you know, people are too woke these days. Like back in the day, back in the day, like if if you went, if you went after a woman 
and like were persistent. It wasn't creepy, but like now, if you harassed you a woman, even... it wasn't creepy. It was fine. It was considered romantic, in fact. True. Yeah, and they're like, oh, now I can't even like make a move. With now I can't even know. harass women. This is so sad. <laughs> and no, I, 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 I just want to say, know, when, you like, know, people were just so nice to each other back in the day. Now everyone's uh, all so aware of everything. Nope. There always has to be on the lookout or something. Now rapists know that they're rapists. It's fun. Yeah. No, but I also I also do want to tell any men who are listening to this podcast. Perfectly possible to have a good time, you know, start a relationship, have sex, do whatever. If if you're a consenting adult, um, do whatever, you know, without without making anyone feel, you know, abused or you know, being creepy. Like it's 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 very possible. I feel like a lot of men are just like, oh, I I can't even make a move on a girl without being seen as creepy. But like, you know... Maybe if that's the case, maybe you should reassess some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, okay, it is true. Like, I do feel bad for men who, you know, have trouble, like, dating or whatever. Or have trouble, like, feeling desirable. But I, I feel like the solution there is not necessarily um, to, like, get women to stop calling men creepy I think the solution is you know for you to like really spend some time with yourself interrogate why you feel that way um develop a personality develop a personality but yeah very very possible to like approach women without you know being creepy lesbians Uh, do it all the time (laughs) that is true that is true like y'all ain't special man Mm -hmm. yep and when we talk about sexual assault and rape, um, I think this is, like, more of a recent phenomenon that we've been seeing in the last 20 years that, like, there's been a lot of uh, studies about how um, sexual assault can lead to, like, mental health issues, like, serious mental health issues. And I, I think that, like, I, even when I was going through the studies that were existing, I couldn't find anything that predated, like, 2005, uh, which is concerning, you know? It's not, like, this also, I mean, I'll I'll get to this point in, like, a little bit later, but because we don't have any studies and we don't have enough information about it, a lot of women who are sexually assaulted and face mental health issues from that don't have the necessary tools and the necessary resources. Mental health has been extremely stigmatized, especially, like, of course, um, like, in our culture, American culture, we've made fantastic loops and bounds towards it, but it's still extremely stigmatized. There's a huge mentality, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So women who have faced intense trauma, such as sexual assault and rape, are often, uh, their their experiences are often trivialized because people just don't want to believe that, like, you know, there's lasting effects and stuff like that. It's good to see more studies being done, but since they're so recent and it's concerning, um, it's concerning that that is kind of the way that we've been going and to a point where we just don't, uh, we're just not looking into these ramifications and stuff like that. And we're not looking into the long-term effects until more recently, especially when more women have gotten into STEM fields and stuff like that. Before the Me Too movement, and I know the Me Too movement definitely has its issues. Um, Like, I, I don't know if Vivian mentioned this, but um, it definitely prioritizes amplifying white voices over like uh, women of color, and that's definitely an issue. But the B2, the Me Too movement has still brought a lot of like eyes onto sexual assault and rape culture and stuff like that, and and that's very helpful for like women who have dealt with it. And we are now seeing like a lot of services in place um, to help women who have experienced rape and sexual assault. But before that, the mentality was kind of. Like, oh, you've been raped or sexually assaulted? Whoop-de-doo, deal with it. Like, that that's kind of the mentality that went with it. But after the Me Too movement, like, we've been seeing a lot of changes because of that. And we've been seeing kind of, like, the magnitude and, like, the amount of women who have experienced this kind of stuff. Sexual assault, like I said, can have lasting effects on its vi- victims. In 2006, the McGill uh, Journal of Medicine published a thesis that talked about PTSD that resulted from sexual assault. Uh, PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, um, can result if a victim hasn't recovered properly from the assault or, like, assaults, multiple assaults. Um, The article says that to properly recover, a victim must, quote, acquire skills and attitudes to gain control over their life, forgive themselves for guilt, shame, and other negative conditions, 
and gain stress reduction skills for overall better function functioning. And obviously, it's very hard to do this on your own. Like I was saying, like this is what the Me Too movement has done, where it's broadcasted a light on these on this issue, and kind of uh, like in, in the psychology sphere, it's kind of created this like idea, like women who are sexually assaulted need help. Um, which I mean, I believe it should have been obvious, but apparently not. Um, also, what uh, victims who don't who can't rec- like develop these skills um, like they could experience uh, the trauma through flashbacks and nightmares and stuff like that. And they could show emotional numbness and start avoiding people at places that remind them of their trauma. And it could also lead, uh, lead to, a, uh, to sleeplessness and lack of concentration. Um, but more commonly than uh, PTSD, like sexual assault victims have um, serious depressive or anxious tendencies. A study surveyed 304 women with uh, depression, anxiety, and sleep problems in Pittsburgh, and 22% of them have had been sexually assaulted at some point in their life. Another study uh, with a sample size of 3,240 people found that approximately 28% of sexual assault victims were diagnosed with depression or anxiety. Um, by the way, this is like reported. So like these are this is a percent of people who have been reported with um, depression and anxiety who have been like diagnosed with it. So there could be um, a larger amount of women who have it, who have been, who have gone unreported. So that's like important to keep in mind. And uh, these people who um, experience sexual assault and because of that go through depression commonly experience a hard time concentrating, sleeping and eating and found little to no pre- pleasure in activities. Um, and another study showed that four out of five girls who experience sexual assault have mental health problems in the following months, including eating disorders and, subs- and, and substance abuse. And even though sexual assault has proven to lead to mental health disorders, women are still, quote, uh, are still told, quote, it's not a big deal and to just get over it, which leads to mental health services failing to provide the necessary help to women after a traumatic experience. And also, we talked about this previously um, in, again, our, uh, why women should, why feminists should support the defunding of police podcast. But, um, it's really important to keep in mind that, like, after a sexual assault or after a rape, like, the victim is not automatically given the opportunity to take therapy or anything. Like, what happens first is, like, um, they have to, they get a rape kit. And it's like, the way they do it is also very dehumanizing. If you've heard, um, I highly recommend you read Chanel Miller's book. She was the victim in the Brock Turner case. Basically, she was talking about how dehumanizing, like, the rape kit was, and how she had no idea was go- what was going on, because she was, um, she blacked out. And, like, nobody to- told her until afterwards. And so it was, like, a terrifying experience for her. Um, again, definitely read her book. It's very good. It's called Know My uh, Know My Name, I think. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Our ending fairy, Alyssa, is going to tell us a couple ways how to of how to help um, sexual assault victims or rape victims. And like also, mm-hmm. if you see a woman who is being harassed, how to deal with that. Yeah. If you, someone you know, or maybe you don't even know, like anybody, <laughs> um, I think I should start it off with uh, giving the, uh, the, uh, the sexual assault and rape hotline, which is 1-800-656-4373. Uh, and then going into ways that you can help uh, if somebody else is a victim. Once again, uh, we will have all of the links down in yes, the description below. There'll be all those there, so don't worry. Um, you, I think the main one is being supportive, creating a safe area where a survivor or victim feels safe and courage, using language such as, thank you for sharing, you are not to blame, I love you, I will support you, um, this is not your fault, uh, Don't. Uh, we will be here for you through the entire process and stuff like that, acknowledge their strength for speaking up. Uh, let them know you are there to help, you believe them, and that none of this is their fault. I'm, so, I'm hammering that in because those are very important things that should be like the first, the first kind of reaction. Uh, educating yourself, reading books, psycho- psycho- psychological studies, watching documentaries or informational videos is very important as well. There's a, a, in a website I'm going to mention a little bit later, they have a ton of statistics, a ton of things you can read up on, as well as a 
quick Google search or going through and listening to other people's stories. Uh, when, when dealing with somebody who has uh, this kind of trauma and stuff like that, it's important to check in periodically. Do not judge them. Uh, allow them time to heal. It doesn't matter if it, how long it takes. It's their time and they need to be able to feel like they're okay and valid in any way that they do feel. Uh, if you feel like somebody is suicidal, the National Suicide Hotline is, is, um, is something you should know. It's 1-800-273-8255. Encourage support, self-care, personal time, and love. Uh, make sure that the person is really taking care of themselves through all of this because as we were talking oftentimes uh, when dealing with trauma like this, people, the first thing that they'll do is go to some sort of substance or thing to help them feel uh, numb or help fill like some sort of uh, need or something. So it's important that they know and are able to partake in time off, time to heal and healthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> very, very important. Honor their recovery, be patient and recognize how much they've been through and how much work they're putting into this. Um, for when it comes to therapy, there you can contact your local sexual assault provider. They're often free to low cost and can give information resources. They give individual counseling, counseling support groups, medical attention, hospital accompaniment, legal and criminal justice system advocacy, crime victim assistance advocacy, community education, professional education, casework and practical assistance, Emergency shelter and volunteer opportunities if you're somebody looking to help out in these kinds of fields. Um, uh, some websites I found that were incredibly um, good for not only education, but providing therapy and support for victims is RAIN, um, which stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. They have a ton of resources to find local sexual assault providers, uh, local assault providers, education, and all those kinds of things. They have a victim, uh, there's also uh, Victim Connect, which is a source for victims of all types. For example, sexual assault, homicide, domestic and dating violence, hate crimes, elder abuse, child abuse, all kinds of things. Uh, speak uh, to someone in a non, they speak to people in a non-judgmental and encouraging environment. They'll help you understand your rights and options, find information and connect you with the right resources and figuring out the next steps. They also help with victim rights, mental health and counseling ser services, housing, legal services, crime reporting, etc. And now if you're somebody living in the California area, they also have the California uh, Partnership to End Domestic Violence or CPEDV. Their entire page is, uh, has local community organizations and resources. It also has a quick escape um, if you are in a situation where you cannot be uh, found out and they have a ton of different things all categorized by location and need. When combating rape culture, I think a big thing that has to uh, happen is deprogramming uh, the next generation and children and stuff like that. Of course, we need to work on our current generations and re-evaluating how thought is going through, but the way we raise our children and our next, uh, our future is so, so very important. Um, I also think that we need to get rid of this just world fallacy kind of view where somebody deserves something, where if something bad happens, there's kind of like this thought that, oh, that person deserved it, or oh, they probably did something that caused this, which is just a, such a harmful ideal, not just towards rape culture and, um, and victim blaming, but also in many other situations. And I think that needs to be definitely addressed. Uh, for me, I think that what really needs to be addressed is like the source of our future, teaching children good boundaries. So things like not making children feel uncomfortable uh, and forced to make hugs, share, or go outside of their personal space bubble, teaching them respect, acceptance, um, uh, Amongst men, we see that many feel that they're owed a relationship or sex or feel like they have somehow failed if they don't obtain those things. Uh, no. Um, now, this doesn't like, isn't indicative of any kind of behavior, but it's a quite toxic mentality that does often lead to that. Um, and I think 
that's a that that's that's a part of toxic men, uh, masculinity that affects uh, men as well as women. Uh, next portion. Uh, rape is based on a power imbalance, so blaming somebody as saying that they asked for it, making crude or sexual remarks towards victims or other people, blaming victim, uh, absolving the critical, etc., um, is very like it needs to be. Oh my gosh, sorry. I wrote notes and then I'm trying to read them off, and my brain is just not functioning. Okay, so as we talked about before, we uh, rape is based on a power imbalance. That power imbalance also bleeds into regular life. For example, uh, bystanders or people around them blaming them, saying they asked for it, making cruder sexual remarks towards victims or other people, and just being highly disrespective, commodifying people and turning them into uh, almost just dehumanizing them, taking away that ability for them to feel or have experienced something so terrible. Uh, I think uh, without you can't address rape culture without it addressing toxic masculinity uh, it affects literally everybody especially women <laughs> um, men are often men are oftentimes feel uh, pressured to feel as though they need to be dominant or sexual uh, in, in situations where men are pressured into sex it's often by other men or women insulting their masculinity women face constant objectification blame being called cold or prude for not bending to somebody's will um, and are made to feel like they're just there to serve a purpose instead of being a sentient living person with goals. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to derail a little bit, but if we look at classically Abby and, um, her idea of that a woman should be seen for her family and nothing else, I think that that in itself is extremely harmful because you, Wait, you away. actually watched her videos. That's no, I watched the commentary. Myth. Uh, <laughs> oh boy i'm not giving but that woman any views there's <laughs> there's people who enjoy caregiving and then there are people who are sick yeah. in the head and classically abby is sick in the head yeah there's nothing wrong <laughs> with wanting to stay home and work with your children i think that is just as admirable as somebody who wants to go out and, and pursue a career and maybe never get married like it doesn't matter but if just you were looking yourself. down but if you were looking down on women who are career oriented Oh then you are absolutely there infuriating. You are the worst wrong. person ever. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just be normal. Just be normal. Just That's let what people like do what wrong. they want. First of all, women who do work don't look down on women who are working, like who are, who yeah. like are caregivers. Second, women who are caregivers don't look down on women who like who like uh are career focused like yeah. both they're perfectly unless, fine unless the woman is nancy pelosi then that's excuse <laughs> or Kamala harris no but don't nancy look Pelosi's down Kamala on them harris for being game. career oriented <laughs> look down on them for yeah. being look bad politicians bad people not, i think just look at somebody as a person like that i think that's a big theme yeah. here is just stop stop objectifying and stop viewing people as you know things for economic gain or your own personal um the whole main character thing where we're just all background characters that's that's that in itself is like even a small version of dehumanization and turning people into commodities you see it in small ways and those small things bleed into huge issues you know you know what i like to say are you a trad wife or are you normal oh boy what is a trad wife traditional wife uh Oh, look at me. When I say trad wife, I mean, I mean, like the cringe, like white yeah. female YouTubers who like post <laughs> videos about how they're so happy, like picking up after their husband. Hi, everyone. Oh. You're watching Girl Defined. <laughs> Let me exploit my children for some more views. My name is Brittany and I am Beckany. Beckany? <laughs> Hello. It's, Beckany. I think it's Brittany and Catholic. Catholic? Bethany? Catherine? So language is extremely important. The way you speak and phrase things can be vital. Uh, a stop at, and avoid using language that allows objectification, uh, excusing actions and comparisons. Um, if somebody does say something offensive, do not be afraid to call them out. You're not a prude. You're not being oversensitive. If something does make you feel uncomfortable, it makes you feel uncomfortable. All reports of sexual assault and rape very seriously. While there are some false accusations, but there's such a small uh, fraction. And as well as it just hurts the long-term goal to help victims be able to come out 
press charges against harassers and abusers and uh and stop this cycle where women and men feel so scared to come out and talk about their issues especially I think I read a study also that LGBTQ plus face harassment and sexual assault at much higher rates than other people. So it's important to make sure that this is not a one size fits all kind of club. Like we were critiquing the Me Too movement before that it oftentimes just benefits um, white women. We're, we're, it's a slippery slope to to if you if you if you exclude one group, you might as it becomes to a point where you exclude everybody. Uh, deconstruct and stop perpetuating, perpetuating gender roles, especially do not force anything on children. Like I was saying, children are the future. Um, they're the ones who are going to live uh, and grow up in this world. And we need to stop, we need to start with our own generations, each pers uh, respectively, but children especially. If a child enjoys something out of regular gender roles, do not demonize that, do not discourage their expression or likes. This can also lead to them demonizing and discouraging those traits later on in life. For example, um, <laughs> uh, men demonizing feminine things and making and seeing it as less than other masculine things or their own wants. So, you know, it, it all rolls, it all snowballs into a bigger problem. Uh, define your own gender expression. Feel confident no matter who you are. Uh, nobody has to stay in a box. Some people are comfortable there and other people find it way too cramped or want to find a new box and that's okay. It should be encouraged and it should not be looked down upon because that just creates bigger problems. Uh, enthusiastic consent uh, is something this podcast will advocate for to the grave. Enthusiastic consent is so very important, especially when teaching children. They should, uh, I was talking about before, they should not feel obligated to break their boundaries if they are uncomfortable. And children should not be just told that they need to deal with harassment from other people if they quote unquote like them. Like a huge thing is boys making girls cry and then the teacher or adult in that situation be like, oh, honey, he just likes you. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's all part of it. And it's, that is so, you're teaching from a young age, negative traits and negative things that lead into it. Um, also, men, don't take the Russell Hartley approach. Don't harass a woman until she says yes. Don't, like, continuously oh, be no, like, hey, no, you want to you no. do it? You want to do it? You want to do it? Just, no. Nope. If she says no once, that's no. So I've been, like, seeing, I, I think there's this one trend where you, like, put your hand over, like, a guy's thigh, and it's like, ha, 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 it's funny. No, it's, it's, it's creepy. Not. It's just as That's, creepy as doing it the yeah. other way around. It's exactly. just that men are told, told, like, oh, you have to be masculine, you should enjoy it. Like, that's not yeah. true. That's an invasion yeah. of privacy. Just, exactly. Just, oh, God, Nick, I hate like, I don't, like, we as women don't want to be objectified. We don't want to objectify men or anybody outside of the gender binary. It's so important. Yeah. Like, feminism isn't for just women. I, I think a lot of people are really misguided about this. It's for, it's for gender equality. It's for women, men, yeah. LGBT community, non-binary friends. It's for everyone. It's for gender equality. And if you we don't... Brighter future. <laughs> can't call yourself a feminist if you think that the sexual assault of men or the sexual harassment of men is funny. No. Yeah. It's, it's just... There's so many toxic things. I'm sorry. I don't, it's just, there's so many things that lead into these things. It, there's, I do. It's just a snowball effect. There's so many mm -hmm. small things that just create such a big problem. And sometimes you don't think about it, but when you start to look at all these things, you start, you're like, oh, that makes sense, I guess. You know, why is this happening? You know what it is? It's the base and the superstructure. <laughs> yeah. So I, speaking of which, I'll, I'll link um, a link from UN Women. Um, that's like an article that's called 16 Ways You Can Stand Against Rape Culture. And I'll also include um, yeah. the healthy sex talk, teaching kids to uh, like consent. That's so, so important. Also, Having yeah. timely and um, accurate sex talks with your children uh, and with people, like, it's just so important to, like, being, like, you don't necessarily, I guess you could say just a sex-positive environment where 
uh, consent and the proper education is given because that's going to make it makes all the difference. And I'll also include an article called Preventing Sexual Harassment in the Workplace. If you're a boss, I highly recommend you read this. And I mean, I know, like, it's, we only talk, rape culture and sexual harassment, it's it's such a wide genre, I don't know how, to, how else to call it, but like, there's so many yeah. things about it that we can't go through all of it in one podcast. And we'll probably mm-hmm. discuss different aspects of it future in the future. But Right, like we still want you guys to have the resources you need, and we highly recommend that you do research on your own on how to prevent this. There are yes. like, things that you might be doing that you don't realize make people uncomfortable or like count as sexual harassment and assault because they're kind of justified by society. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I highly recommend that um, everyone read this. Like, when men, women, non-binary friends, everyone read the articles that we have linked below. Um, and like parents, if you have uh, a child, please uh, read the article. I, I really like it's a really really good article. It talks about how to like it talks about how to properly introduce like LGBTQ uh, ideas to your children and how to talk about consent and toxic masculinity and stuff. So, also if for male listeners, um, if you see some funny business going on, you know. Make a stand. Uh, don't don't just watch. Um, I think it is. You're not um, a simp for being a decent person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But also, yes. it's kind of like if you're standing up for a woman, it's kind of like hot. Okay, it's it's yeah. hot than sexual, sexual harassment. That's hot. <laughs> it man. may be the bare minimum, but trust me, it is very basic is very human attractive. decency. Basic human very decency is very hot. <laughs> That's so hot. Ah-ha-ha. But also, do not, do not feel entitled to sexual favors oh, for standing yes. up for women. No. Yes. <laughs> do, do not feel. Yeah. Um, do you hear that, I, Russell for, Hartley? Do you for, hear that? For, for, for our listeners, um, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you see funny business going on, whether it's for a woman, a man, non-binary person, um, you know, stand up for them. Oftentimes, you know, women aren't taken seriously when they, you know, advocate for themselves. And the unfortunate truth is sometimes people will back off if, like, for example, right, let's say you're a woman, you get catcalled on the street or whatever, someone asks you for your number. If you say, no, I'm not interested, you know, some men do not stop. But, you know, if you say I have a boyfriend, all of a sudden it's, Oh, I'm sorry, because there's another man involved, which, you know, yeah. unfortunately, mm-hmm. we live in a society, sometimes it really does uh, help when you have a, a man telling people to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. But also women, like, if you see a woman who seems uncomfortable around a guy, just go up and yes. save her. I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Like, yes. women yeah. support women. We love that. Yeah, female true. relationships, yes. Female friendship <laughs> and allyship, we love it. But uh, speaking of ways to help, um, once again, for more information about this, listen to our episodes on the police. But uh, don't automatically call the police when you hear that someone has been sexually assaulted. Because sometimes it makes it worse. A lot of the time yeah. it makes it worse. Oftentimes Most of the time. should go to like local health providers and stuff like that and mm-hmm. get rape kits there instead so you don't have to go through the police and any kind of experience to that. You can go to somebody who knows how to handle patients and has good bedside and doctor yeah. doctor matter. So you don't that's not that doesn't have to be your first option. There's other things yeah. that you can go through that'll make you feel and more comfortable and a- safe. Rain has a hotline, right? Like, yep. Yeah, it would be that's more beneficial to call an organization that actually Definitely. has, you know, experience with sexual assault rather than the police. Uh, Rain which, is. Really I'm not going to say that all police are rapists, but too many of them are. I'll also include an article um, that talks about how to deal with women who have been like deal with, um, but like how to, uh, you know, talk to. Uh, sexual assault victims or rape victims about their experience sexual assault and rape happens so often it's really important to like uh learn about how to like 
uh, talk to um, survivors about it. Definitely. Also, um, for organizations to donate to, incite uh, women, gender nonconforming, and trans people of color against violence. Very good. Radical, love them. All across the country, uh, they do good work. Give them money. <laughs> well, that's another episode of our podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please have a lovely day, night, rest of your week until you inevitably tune in again because you cannot get enough of this. <laughs> you can't get enough of us. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.